everyone, welcome back to the podcast on Germany. My name is Jacob, and this is episode 49, wrapping up the goth war. Well, till the next one. This episode is going to be shorter than usual. My family was struck with tragedy this week as my father passed away. Um, we're trying to recover from this, and I was just not able to do the research, record, and write a full episode. As such, we're only going to be covering to the end of this war. So last we left off, the Roman army was destroyed. The emperor, the Eastern Empire, was dead, and the Goth army was finally, finally stopped outside of the gates of Constantinople by a blood-crazed Arab garrison. And our sources, mainly from Imamanius, kind of ends things there. They're very confused and jumbled afterwards. Seriously, after the setback at Constantinople, he tells us the Goths Quote, courage was broken when they beheld the oblong circuit of the walls, the blocks of house covering a vast space, the beauties of the city beyond their reach, the vast population inhabiting it, and the straits nearby that separates the Black Sea from the Aegean. So they destroyed the stores of military equipment they were preparing nearby and spread everywhere across the northern provinces. End quote. And yeah, that's it. And he goes, and you know, you don't need any more from me. We're cool here don't really believe that's how it's going to end. You don't just destroy a Roman army and then, well, that was a good story. Nothing else to say. That's the end of this Gothic army. We do know that during this time, all of Thrace, except for the major cities, and most of the Balkans will just fall to the Goths during the next few years. The Romans don't have the military strength to attack the Goths, and so the Goths just spread everywhere. We don't have much information on what happens, but it looks like the Romans were able to eventually divide and conquer some of the Gothic forces, such as in 380, a force of the Goths in Pannonia are destroyed by Gratian, and the rest of the Gothic forces are forced to stay in southern and eastern Thrace afterwards. But even then, there are rumors that the renewed eastern army is destroyed once again when they try to go out and defeat Fritigern and the Gothic troops. The Goths, of course, would have been just taking what supplies they could. They would have been taking tribute. They would have been taking slaves. Anything that wasn't nailed down, they would be taking for themselves. But it's all very vague about what we know. The Goths have about two years of virtual free reign in most of Thrace and the Balkans. The new emperor, Theodosius I, had to let them rule Thrace. He has no army after the death of Valens. His only army was destroyed in the field. So he has to draft everyone and anyone within the region in order to rebuild this army. And it may have even gotten its butt whooped again a couple years later, we're not sure. But eventually, after two years of the Goths ruling this territory, he has a large enough army to launch an attack. And eventually, for some reason, the Goths come to the table. Maybe it's because his army isn't destroyed, or maybe it is because his army is destroyed and the Romans finally decide, okay, we're going to have to negotiate. We can't fight him anymore. Who knows? What happens, though, is that in October in 382, the Goths finally surrender. This is six years after the first outbreak of fighting in a war that has devastated the northern section of the Eastern Roman Empire. There's no way that this war is a major Roman victory, or even a Roman victory at all. We are told that, quote, We have seen their leaders and chiefs, not making a show of surrendering a tattered standard, but giving up the weapons and swords with which up to that day they had held power. 
and clinging to the emperor's knees more tightly than Theotis, according to Homer, clung to the knees of Zeus when she besought him on her son's behalf until they won a kindly nod and a voice which did not rouse war but was full of kindness, full of peace, full of benevolence, and the forgiveness of sins, end quote. This is not a typical victory, even with the, quote, we are better than everyone attitude that the Romans typically have with their writing. The victory here is showing the Romans to be rather lenient, which was probably not because they wanted to, but because they had to. If they lost one army or two armies to the Goths and they can't beat them in the open field, then yeah, they're going to have to be kind of easy on the Goths in order to get their peace. And they can't tell people at home that, well, we had to make peace with the Goths because they were going to kill us. No, they're going to say, hey, we're so good, we're so sweet, we're amazing, we let these guys go off without too much of an issue. Okay, that's how good and kind we are. We know that there was no mass selling of these Gauls. There's no distribution of them throughout the empire to scatter them, make them weak. Instead, the Romans allow the Goths to stay together and to have the territory that they had requested in the very beginning. They weren't able to form a kingdom like some of the Goths would have wanted. They weren't allowed to have a strong political body, but they were able to maintain their cultural ties to be able to work together. And in trade, they'd stop destroying the northern part of the Eastern Roman Empire, and they would serve the Romans as a military force. Little tit for tat. But one of the most important players in this entire war is not here at this peace treaty. One of the few surviving members of this entire war. That would be Fritigern. He's not there for the signing of this peace treaty. We don't know 100% what happens to him. It could have been that during the fighting, he gets killed. Just a lucky javelin throw, a lucky sword thrust, who knows? And so the Goths break down. They lose their leader. They don't have faith in the fact that they can beat the Romans. And so they reach out to the Romans for peace. Or, and this is just as likely, the Romans said, hey, we're willing to do peace with you, but we can't do peace with Fritigern. He killed our emperor. We can't let that stand. He's got to die. And so Fritigern met with a nasty accident, maybe falling on a quite a few different swords repeatedly. Who knows? Whatever the case is, Fritigern was dead before the peace treaty was signed. So the Goths, they get grants of land throughout the eastern Balkans. They have, they maintain their groups and they continue their tribal connections while the empire gets some soldiers and they get their borders back and they get a sense of stability in a region that has been thrown into chaos. Now, who do you think came out of it on top? Well, if things had gone differently, we could have argued that this would have been a Roman victory because the Romans would have had peace along their northern borders when they're about to desperately need them. They would have had a large, strong military force located within the region that they could call on for support and aid. And eventually they could have broken down these ties to the tribal and cultural life of the Goths and turn them into Romans as they've been doing to tons of cultures in the past. But that's if they had more time. They don't have more time. And what they see here, this massive disaster on their hand, is just one of many that's about to pop up. And so the advantage actually falls on the Goths. Not only do they get out of the way of the Huns for now, but they get to maintain their ties. They get to maintain their structure as a tribe. And 
So when Rome steps out of lines again, well, we'll just go into open rebellion. And this time we don't have to cross the border. We're already here. We know where to go. We know how to fight. It's a very dangerous thing to have within your borders. But the Empire thought they were going to have time. So the Goths, they destroyed a Roman army. They might have destroyed another one. Are we surprised that they were trying to get peace? No, the Goths were never here trying to conquer the Empire. That was never their goal. They were wanting land. They were wanting to settle. The Romans were just refusing to let them. Even when they were crushing the Romans, taking a lot of territory, there's very little going for them where they could even expect to win. Seriously, the Empire may have lost an army. It may have lost two armies, but it could rebuild them. The Goths couldn't. They would have to rely on mercenary forces. The Goths had no way of conquering any of the major cities due to their walls. And so the majority of the population, even in Thrace, is still safe. They can just hide out in the walls and wait them out. Not much the Goths can do about that. They don't have any leverage over the Romans. The other issue is that the Goths weren't armies. They were tribes. They were a roving band of men, women, and children. They needed peace as soon as possible so they could settle again. They couldn't just keep conquering. They couldn't keep pushing the Romans both east and west. So when peace was finally offered, they would take it, even though it didn't give them everything they wanted or even had earned at this point. They just needed a chance to rest. Still, as I said, the Goths come out of this pretty well. And this war, the death of Valens, the Battle of Hadrianople, has a major change on the future of the Roman Empire. It is agreed that with the death of Valens and this peace treaty, the Goths will be able to heavily affect things, not so much for the Eastern Empire, but for the Western Empire. That's right. The Empire who didn't let them in, who didn't lose their forces to the Goths, they're the ones who are going to suffer the most from this decision of allowing the Goths to settle. The Romans were drastically changed. They were broken, and they would try to avoid any more set-peace battles after the losses to the Goths. It was just not worth it. The Roman people had lost faith in their borders. Starting in the late 300s all the way through the mid-400s, we just see a mass desertion of the borders. and We see a lot of people moving into urban areas. So the rich rural villas are being abandoned at this point because the cities, even though they stink, they smell, they're filled with poor people. Well, they have walls. They can protect you. The other issue is that this sacrifice to the Goths, their inability to fight the Goths at a set-piece battle again, meant that the Goths and future invasions would always have the initiative. The Romans just could not risk it. And in 30 years, actually less than 30 years, the Goths will take this initiative once more, and they will be entering the ancient heart of the Roman Empire itself the city of Rome, and they would sack it for the next three days. Alright guys, that will be it for today. Again, I apologize for the shorter episode. We will be back to our normal schedule next time. 